it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Carly Shimkus is going to be with us at the bottom of the hour. Don't ask me how I know. I seem to have a handle on this. Uh, And by the way, uh, some things that are going to be happening today. It looks like President Zelensky will address the Australian Parliament and then the Belgian parliament by video. This guy is brilliant. He never stops the PR campaign to sell uh, his cause and the cause of the Ukrainian people. And by the way, this poll is kind of interesting. 72% of Americans trust President Zelensky. That's pretty good. I don't know anybody else in America who has that kind of trust. So Certainly not Will Smith. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And for them to let him stay in that room and enjoy the rest of the show and accept his award, I was like, how gross is this? You assault somebody, you get escorted out the building, and that's it. You would think, uh, but that is not the case, according to Wanda Sykes, who thought she'd be relishing the spotlight and the day after the afterglow of the Academy Awards, which she co-hosted, but instead it's all about Will Smith and the smack. Uh, it's getting worse. That's how I view the fallout on Will Smith's despicable Oscar attack on Chris Rock. As more and more people speak out, it's revealed Smith was asked to leave and would not leave despite being asked. Was was he even, what was he even thinking? What would they have done with the award? Instead, he blubbered his way through it, made himself the story instead of the Williams family and the producers of that movie, King Richard. Number two. But in the two weeks up to the presidential campaign, Joe Biden, when asked about this material, repeatedly accused reporters who asked him about it and the Republican Party and Donald Trump, who raised it, of spreading Russian disinformation and serving Vladimir Putin. It's unbelievable. That's Glenn Greenwald trying to put it all in perspective. Hunter Biden's days as Teflon crack-smoking international businessman trading on his father's name may be coming to a crashing close. The question, why now and how long are we going to pretend that President Biden didn't know everything about all of it? Number one. We would concur with the conclusion that Mr. Putin has not been fully informed uh, by Uh, his Ministry of Defense at every turn over the last month. Really? I'm not sure I buy it, but the U.K. agrees with John Kirby on that. How much does Vladimir Putin actually know about his war of choice with Ukraine? Does he even know about his men's morale that is terrible? The number of dead, which is awful, and wounded, which is triple that, and the struggles to take the capital. Listening to the U.S. and U.K. intel, his people are afraid to bring him bad news in the Ukraine as they continue the Ukrainian suit to fight valiantly, even though they are being attacked brutally. So let me just tell you what's going on. The plan A was to take Kiev, decapitate the regime, and take over the country, right? It didn't work. Plan B is attack civilians, literally attack civilians. Attack a country if you're a Russian and attack the countries with the cyber attack that support the Ukrainians. On the ground, uh, Kiev, they're pushing back uh, in many areas. Uh, Mariupol is an absolute wreck. Today they're trying to open up a 
humanitarian corridor, but no one really believes that they're not going to be attacked once they go into that corridor. They want a Red Cross uh, escort. We'll see if they actually get it. But the Russians desperately want Mariupol to link together the Donbass region and Crimea, which they stole. Meanwhile, the Ukrainians have noticed that not only is the morale bad, some refusing orders to attack civilians on the Russian side, but they even shot down their own plane, reportedly by mistake. But I'm not too sure they're not just flat out in disarray. Pentagon's John, Pentagon's John Kirby said the small percentage of Russian troops that were operating around Kiev have been repositioned over the last 24 hours. Some have actually left the country because they want to reconvene in Belarus. So Jeremy Fleming, I watched him this morning. He's uh, the director of the spy service in the U.K. He was uh, addressing the press in Australia. Cut three. We've seen this strategy before. We saw the intelligence picture building. And now we're seeing Putin trying to follow through on his plan. But it is failing. And his plan B has been more barbarity against civilians and cities. It's clear that he plays by different moral and legal rules. Exactly. And also he does not have the equipment even to do the targeted killing. He doesn't have the... Drone technology, certainly has the tank technology, and he doesn't even have modern fighter jets that I've seen so far. More from Fleming, cut four. It increasingly looks like Putin has massively misjudged the situation. It's clear he's misjudged the resistance of the Ukrainian people. He underestimated the strength of the coalition his actions would galvanize. He underplayed the economic consequences of the sanctions regime. And he overestimated the abilities of his military to secure a rapid victory. No question. I just not sure. I mean, as a KGP guy, he wouldn't be able to see when people are just kissing up to him as opposed to giving him real time intelligence. He did evidently have a plan to pay off all these Ukrainian mayors to turn over their cities. I don't think they would have, but evidently the money disappeared. So that is the facts on the ground. Something else happened. President Zelensky spoke to our president yesterday for an hour. Okay, he speaks English, so they probably had a substantive conversation. Why are the readouts so tame? I mean, listen, President Biden spoke with President Zelensky today and his ally talked about delivering military, economic, and humanitarian aid. The leaders discussed how the United States is working around the clock to fulfill the main security assistance request by Ukraine. But they're not. They're not getting them tanks, not getting them planes. They haven't even delivered the 100 switchblade drones that are supposed to be kind of like kamikazes used once and done. We can't even get them in there. As of Wednesday, the U.S. had allocated $2.5 billion in funding for Ukraine, which is significant, especially when it comes out of our military budget. And he gives them another $800 million yesterday. But I get the sense that there's some type of standoff going on that I can't figure out. I was also struck in watching Tucker's show last night, Nigel Farage. He thought there's been a problem with the West trying to allow Ukraine to come into NATO to begin with. He actually thinks that we brought this on ourselves. I disagree. I love Nigel. Cut 11. I am not a fan of Vladimir Putin in any any way at all. Journalists like you wouldn't survive long in Russia being critical of the regime. But on the big stuff, on the big values, understanding the threat that we face here, that you face there, from Islamic terrorism, from a Chinese Communist Party, we should have tried to make Vladimir Putin somebody we could do business with, not somebody 
We provoked and we gave a reason for war that he could sell to his own people. So, look, I don't for one moment defend much of what Putin has done since the 24th of February. But understand that our huge geopolitical errors have led to much of it. I don't think so. Um, I disagree. I mean, you got one belligerent actor on the stage, along with the Chinese leader and the Iranian leader, most of all, and the threat of Islamic extremism, which is everywhere. And you got to watch our backyard with Venezuela and Cuba. I understand that. But Vladimir Putin is the one who feels paranoid about freedom, not about encroachment. He knows NATO, unless he's really detached, is a defensive organization. And I'll talk about this uh, Saturday at 8 and 11 o'clock on One Nation. Meanwhile, the other big story, and I'm wondering why this is percolating now. You heard on this show us talk about Hunter Biden's laptop and how stunning it is even today to think about how when the New York Post said uh, this is out there, this is what this laptop says, this is the president and his family using influence in order to make money uh, from the president's position as vice president using his crack-addled son, Hunter. Remember the deal that he got in Burisma? We talked about this to no end. President Trump talked about it, sent Rudy out to find out details. That was a disaster, resulted in a second House impeachment. And then we find out that when, this, when the New York Post published the story and some of the details, they decide to sideline and suspend the New York Post account on every platform. Anyone who retweeted it, they were suspended too. Even the press secretary of the United States of America, Kaylee McEnany. Now suddenly people are looking at the laptop and they're saying, wait a second, I think this might be true. Listen to this. The Washington Post said uh, the paper had two security experts use cryptographic signatures from Google and other technology companies to validate 22,000 emails from 2009 to 2019 in Hunter Biden's laptop, which they authenticated 10 days ago. Some verified emails include President Biden's son pursuing a deal with the CEFC of China, their energy conglomerate owned by the government, which he got paid $5 million for. The IRS saying, by the way, uh, where is that money? And a little bit later, you find out he's complaining to his daughter how he's always got to pay for everybody's bills and how the big guy gets 10 percent. And the big guy was Joe Biden, according to then Vice President Tony Bobulinski. But it seems as though, upon further review, they don't have any link, it seems, between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Just bad acting by Joe Biden. What is, excuse me, by Hunter Biden. And what is, the investigation was moving forward when the Republicans had the majority in the Senate in the last months. And Senator Johnson was undermined by Senator Portman or Mitt Romney that would not pursue any more. Why, perhaps? Because they fell prey to the FBI setting up some false briefings to get them off the trail. Listen to what Ron Johnson said last night to Sean Hannity. Cut 13. It was obvious Hunter's laptop was authentic as soon as we started seeing the information from it. But the media has been complicit. Hunter Biden knew exactly who he was dealing with. He called Patrick Ho the spy chief of China. He knew that uh, Devin Archer was involved in a, you know, he was eventually we proved that he was involved in a fraud against uh, Indian tribes. He was convicted of that. Devin Archer met with Joe Biden in the White House in April 2014, right around the exact same time within a couple of days of when Devin Archer became a board member of Burisma. A few weeks later, uh, Hunter Biden became a board member. So a couple of things going on here. Don't fall prey that you want to uh, just pat New York Times and Washington Post on the back. This was all out there. They could have used their sophisticated technology to uh, authenticate this laptop years ago excuse me, months ago, a couple of years ago now. 
and they could have found out that this was true or not in a very short time, and they could have used the FBI to do it. It matters so much. The next president of the United States might be compromised by Romania, Russia, Ukraine, and China. And his son's doing the dirty work, and it was written back and forth, and in between there is some horrible pictures of him doing crazy things. Obviously, he's got multiple addictions. But the Hunter Biden himself is a distraction. The real story is, how could Joe Biden put this type of pressure on his son, who has succumbed most of his adult life to substance abuse, who blew up his marriage, started uh, having a relationship with his brother's widow, then left her cheating on her with a hooker who he got pregnant and knows this whole story. So before you praise the Washington Post and New York Times, know this story was evident and out there before. And what about those 51 intel experts, including some CIA directors like John Brennan and Mike Morrell, who I like, not John Brennan, Mike Morrell, who said this looks like classic Russian disinformation. Why wouldn't they just use their sophisticated equipment to find out what's true or not? This guy in Delaware lost his business, Rudy Giuliani, basically because he did a investigation uh, into this, would be the center of scrutiny. His career is not recovered. President Trump would be impeached. And before you praise him, I looked at this. The editor and the former editor, uh, op-ed editor of the New York Post, Sorab Amaran, weighed in last night with Shannon and said, listen, the fact that they stopped this story, they tried to eradicate this story, and now embrace this story, it doesn't mean we all have to forget. Here he is, cut 15. It feels like someone who played poker with you two years ago and cheated, and you couldn't catch him at the time, didn't tell you, and now is taunting you two years later, you know I cheated, and uh, you have no recourse because it's been two years since that. Um, story broke, and now, confirming it now, after Joe Biden is safely in office, um, in some ways is of little use. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's the outrageous thing about this. It is, uh, and it is maddening. one 866 When I come back, I want to uh, take your phone calls, but also bring in the third biggest story of the day, and that's Will Smith. I mean, the more you think about it, now the more we have more facts about it. When he was told to leave the Oscars, And he said, no, he gets to stay. Would any of us be allowed to stay? I know this is unprecedented territory and he's a multimillion dollar world famous actor. But that world famous actor just attacked a world famous comedian. I think they cancel each other out in terms of power. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Diving deep into today's top stories. It's Brian Kilmeade. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think they're making a terrible miscalculation that, you know, ultimately may be bad, will be bad for business. Their statement says this about the, the bill that Ron DeSantis passed. They said, our goal as a company is for the law to be repealed by the legislature or struck down by the courts. And, you know, in the left, they talk about democracy after this election. And so what about our democracy right now? You know, the people of Florida, a lot of Disney customers voted for our state legislature. 
These are duly elected members of the uh, Florida House of Representatives and the Florida Senate who passed this bill, sent it to the governor, and thank God our governor has the backbone to stand up to companies like 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 mine, Disney, and uh, and pass this bill. Yeah, and the governor stood up and basically what he does, don't let anyone kid you, it's a very short bill, came from, the, uh, came from the legislature in Florida, embraced by the governor, who knows how to stand up for things he believes and he does it every day through the pandemic and beyond. And he came out and he just said, look, for kindergartners, first graders, second graders, and third graders, do not bring up sexuality, gender preferences, no interest in talking about your personal life. Keep it on the straight and narrow, no pun intended. It did not stop the President of the United States from ripping into uh, the governor, not, of course, Disney, for using their woke policies to not only revamp the movies they're making, to actually revamp their park policies and their country, company policies because they have no guts. And I'm telling you, I know their car parks are packed and I know they're going to be successful. But if their margins are small with the amount they invest, they are actually going to feel it in people that show up and attend. So listen to this, Vivian Ware. This is an example of the idiotic, woke f- philosophy that does not resonate with the American people. Cut 25. When we brought the fireworks back to the Magic Kingdom, we no longer say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we say dreamers of all ages. We don't want to just assume because someone might be, um, in, in our interpretation, maybe presenting as female, that they may not want to be called princess. Unbelievable. Um, efforts now the Biden is tear today is going to talk about how he's tearing into this anti-transgender bill. He's going to talk about stopping uh, the bills like the one that the governor signed that's now law, stopping them from getting medical care and playing sports. Are you kidding? Nobody's talking about medical care and playing sports. Playing sports? Are you do you not like women's sports or girls sports? Because the problem is not anti-transgender. Couldn't care less. Neither can you. I know it. But what you're trying to do is give people competing a chance to compete against your own gender. There's a reason why there's men's and women's tennis, men's and women's spinning, so, um, swimming, men's and women's basketball. Not because there's a biasness. It's because people want to compete with the same gender. And transitioning is not something that's in girls' sports' best interest. Andy, listen on the Fox News Radio app, talking about another major story, and that is the Will Smith story. Hey, Andy. Yep. Uh, I think that's a fake slap. Oh, it's absolutely real. I think we've gone beyond that. There's no doubt about it. Michael, listening online. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. So, uh, regarding Will Smith, uh, I think that guy's just it's a snake that he needs to eat its own tail. Um, just let him fall on his own sword. And then, two, uh, next time you got next time you write a book and you do a book tour, I know you only came out uh, as far west as like Texas. So next time you come to do a book tour. Come uh, a little, little further this way. Allison, could you make sure we go to Idaho next time? I would love to see Idaho. I have not seen it. Hear great things. Um, listen, what Ricky Gervais said about this and others is some of the great uh, lines that are coming out. But Will Smith looks worse by the day, for, believe me. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Carly Shimkus is next. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The word gay is not in the legislation. So they say it's banning a word that literally isn't even in the legislation. It's not even like they're misrepresenting the way the word's used. It's not even used in the bill. It's a a fake narrative. It's a lie. But it's a lie because they have to lie because if they admitted what they were really for, 
sexualizing kindergartners and first graders, they know that would not fly with the public. So Governor DeSantis just talking just how he's flabbergasted how the left is mobilized against his bill, which attempts to give parents rights when it comes to teaching sexuality, not to their teens, not to their college kids, but to their toddlers, kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. This is all going to come back for the governor's behalf, on the governor's behalf. But they've done an incredible job, has many on the left, in mischaracterizing what this is about, to the point where one of America's most prestigious companies, Disney, is mobilizing against it. Carly Shimkus is the co-anchor of Fox and Friends First, but on top of her resume is news anchor on Fox and Friends. And now every time you talk to her, she's like, I prefer you refer to my title when you see her in the halls. <laughs> Carly, welcome back. Do I get to pick a title, any of those? I think you do. How about Queen? Just uh, overall no, Queen? Prince, eh, princess? Yeah, but, but very mm, relevant. Ooh, yeah. Right. I do identify, if I had to, as a princess over a prince. Right. Uh, and the reason why you so coyly checked yourself on that is because Disney has gotten to the point in their effort to be politically correct and to not gender specific anybody. When you walk in or see a little girl, a little boy, why be specific? Why not call them dreamers instead of boys and girls? Prince and princesses, just call them dreamers. Forget that. Yeah, that's right. There was this, uh, they made this call a little while ago and then it came back in the news because there was this leaked audio that showed this um, conference with all these Disney executives and they were talking about how we're not going to call little boys and little girls anymore princes or princesses. Everybody's going to be dreamers because we don't know if a little girl is going to want to be identified as a princess. Why would we make that judgment call? So we have this woman, her name is Vivian, What's what's her last name? This is Vivian Ware, a Disney executive, talking about what the change that she's been trying to mobilize for years. We brought the fireworks back to the Magic Kingdom. We no longer say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we say dreamers of all ages. We don't want to just assume because someone might be um, in, in our interpretation, maybe presenting as female, that they may not want to be called princess. So this goes on and on. And she says our pro-gay, LGBTQ, F-I-Z, um, agenda is being implemented here but it's is that in the best interest of the company no it's not at all and that's the thing it's you there are so you companies have gotten so woke that they have forgotten about their bottom lines and a lot of parents will look at that and say you know i you know maybe i you know gay people are fine that's but this is about children i know and also you know if you say ladies and gentlemen boys and girls you're not, not pointing a finger at anybody. That That's everybody. But that's how um, micro, micromanaged and microscopic the language has become. And it's just so absolutely unrelatable. So, so the thing is, Disney didn't even want to touch this. They got a reaction because so many in March, I think March 14th, there was going to be a, a walkout of their employees to protest to the, bill, the right? no gay bill, the yeah. Florida bill. Mm-hmm. Even though the company's located in California. And it's huge yeah. presence over in Orlando. The first Disney was out in California, right? Yeah, that's okay. Disneyland. That was Disney. My Yeah, my fault. I apologize if anyone was <laughs> heading the wrong direction. Yeah, you identified it incorrectly. Uh, again, my bad. Uh, but so in an, uh, an effort to overcompensate, they now say they'll do everything they can not to, to make sure this thing is overturned, even though it's already passed and signed. Here is Kathy Burke talking about Disney's needs. Listen to this. Cut 21. I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually, um, uh, one transgender child. Um, 
um, and one pansexual child, um, and, and also as a leader. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories, and, and, and yet we don't have enough leads um, and narratives in which gay characters just, just get to be characters um, and, and not have to be about gay stories. Yeah, that's mm, that. Yeah, that's really. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, I, there are two separate things going on here, um, happening at once. First of all, this audio that was leaked that we're playing, and you know, if I want every child and every person to feel comfortable in their own skin and feel accepted, but when it comes to the school element and what Ron DeSantis is trying to do. I just can't even believe that something like that is even necessary. Um, you know, I don't have kids right now, but I can imagine if you bring this beautiful child into the world, you watch that baby go onto a school bus five years old, and then to think that um, at school somebody other than you is going to be talking to your baby about sexuality at five years old. Here's a scenario: that's they walk in, crazy. They walk into the kitchen and say. Uh, Mom, I'm going to decide by the end of the year whether I'm a boy or girl or not. You yeah. really want to have that conversation? Exactly, because kids don't know about the – they don't. their brains aren't fully developed yet in order to really know about the differences in sexes, unless you have a brother or a sister or something like that. And then they don't even care yeah. or think about it. People are people. It, it doesn't matter. But the reason stuff like this is happening is because um, you know, there was just another story out in Wisconsin where there was a school district there in Eau Claire County. And um, the, the school district, they had a seminar with teachers and they said, just remember, when you're talking about gender identity – Parents don't have the right to know. Are you <laughs> kidding me? You nuts. Yeah. And then I, we had Sean Duffy on Fox and Friends first this morning. He's like, if this is happening in Eau Claire County, this is happening everywhere because that's a that's a county that voted 55-45 Biden. So it's like a moderate town. It's like Loudoun County all over again. Um, and I think that a lot of people are, once again, this is going to reinvigorate parents right. to – Stay in tune with what their with what their schools are doing. You can never you know keep your eye off the ball when you're a parent. These All days. right. So you just want to know what do teachers talk about when teachers are t- on TikTok? Listen to this. These are two teachers talking about how great it is to be bringing their thoughts and beliefs to toddlers. Cut twenty five. This has been my first year in preschool with a class of my own. We've been talking about gender and skin color and consent and empathy and our bodies and autonomy. It's been fabulous. I teach my elementary school students about gender identity. Some people are girls, some are boys, some are both, some are neither. I might tell this kid, we do have a flag in the class that you can pledge your allegiance to. And he like looks around and he goes, oh, that one? And that was pointing to the gay pride flag. Yeah. Instead of their red, white, and blue flag. What about math? What what about ABCs? I mean, that's what school should be for. And that's that's another thing, Brian. Like you look at the school districts across the country and our and our science scores compared to those of China, and it's just become this absolute muddled mess. We're failing academically. You know what's so interesting is that this whole cancel culture got to Vladimir Putin. That lunatic, uh, bloodthirsty killer know, right? uh, came out and didn't talk about the war over the weekend. He talked about cancel culture and trying to cancel. They're trying to cancel Russia yeah. and they're trying to cancel J.K. Mm. Rowling's. But they're trying to rally what is a normal school of thought that everything we're saying now is so logical that he is trying to rally his country to say that that's what America is trying yeah. to do to you. And the West is trying to do to you because I also watch a lot of the 
BBC and, and Sky. I know you do during Fox and Friends first. And no, well, that's a listen, whole actually, it beats Fox and Friends first. Sky is yeah. now bought by NBC. So they air Sky during the war from like two in the morning until about five. So I'm listening to a lot of it, and they are just as woke. They are just as bad. They blame us, by the way. They blame us, but they are just as woke. Europe blames America for turning Europe woke, England, but now yeah. they're just as woke. I, I would just like to go on record and say everybody can um, use the phrase cancel culture on this planet today, but Vladimir Putin. He's, he's, <laughs> uh, he is exempt from, from that one. And then he's Jake, trying to cancel the Ukrainian people. Yeah, that's, how that's about, real. Yeah, if you're a genocidal maniac, uh, you don't get to say that people are trying to cancel Russia. And then um, uh, J.K. Rowling had a posted tweet and was like, uh, "How about you keep me out of this one? Thank you. Goodbye." So I want you to hear. So you know this whole thing with Will Smith is not going away. We're going to be, you know, the Academy's going to weigh in. A Will Smith career will probably take a hit. Don't you think his career takes a hit? I don't know if his career takes a hit. I yeah I don't I really don't I mean it's just it's just so bizarre maybe in the short term but I you know he doesn't make that many movies anymore I guess it, you know if he has a cool movie out I think people will still probably see it I think some people the the overall reaction of this has been so fascinating to watch I think it's going against him now the well yeah but in the on, beginning I, Brian right. I think you're right but in the beginning. It was wild that all of these celebrities were tweeting their support for Will Smith like he didn't assault somebody on stage. Um, and then people were like, well, wait a second. Right. That did just happen. He just smacked a comedian. Maybe we, maybe we shouldn't support that. And now I'm starting to hear some people go, maybe we should feel bad for Will Smith because it seems like his marriage is on the rocks. And, you know, he's clearly emotionally – uh, something emotionally uh, – he's having some sort of emotional challenge. He seems like a nice guy. Maybe he's also the victim in this situation too. It's just absolutely all over the map. The one thing that I disagree with is I don't think that this is going to start a trend of people it, going to comedy shows and getting up and hitting comedians. Like I think that's just a little too far. You do? Yeah. that's That would be a really weird trend in America. You just go to a comedy show and somebody gets up and decks a comedian. Well, I think know. this was a one-off. See, I think you're different because you know why you don't see yourself ever doing stand-up. Because when you're up there, you might be saying to yourself, you know what, can that guy, if I go and make fun of that guy, the size of that guy's muscles or say he's on steroids, is that guy going to come up and hit me and say, you know, Will Smith got, you know, got four sponsors after that attack. (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen. You don't? I don't, but I do know that there is genuine concern out there from comedy clubs um, and you, Brian, you started. You're hilarious, and you started as a stand-up comedian. So, well, I didn't I, start. It was something I was doing along the way while doing radio and TV. That is such a unique skill. You have to be really quick on your feet to be able to be a good stand-up comedian, too, right? And you're saying I'm not. No, that's why I'm oh. saying it all makes sense. That it does make sense as to where you where you are today in this world. Oh, do you want have that kind of brain? Just to show that we have the we have the give and take. We try to show both sides on this show. One person running to Will Smith's defense is uh, someone he doesn't want. I think you'll recognize this voice, Cut 38. I think Will was wrong. I understood the feeling. Now, uh, in my life, I've been through a lot of crap, and I was raising two young kids, and every comedian in the country had an OJ routine. And don't think I wouldn't want to be slapped a couple of those guys, but you got to accept it's it's humor. And I didn't even think that was all that egregious. I thought it was a semi-unfunny joke, but I don't know. I don't get it. I know this. After what happened to me in Las Vegas, if I would have done that in front of a billion people watching around the world, they would have given me 
life without. I'm just saying. Hey, well, by the way, he's at a party. That's O.J. Simpson, Why is O.J. Right? Simpson at a party? I mean, he's at a party or golfing. How is he yeah. allowed to have this great life? And now we're going it's, up to him for comments on rage crimes. It's horrific. I know. Um, the other uh, comments that I saw, and I love Tiffany Haddish. I hate to use her as an example right after we aired something about O.J. Simpson. But I thought it was interesting that she came to Will Smith's defense when she is a stand-up comedian herself. It usually seems like they're a block, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they're, no matter where you stand politically as a comedian. Like Kathy Griffin came to Chris Rock's defense. Right. They're all they're very much pro free speech and they hate this whole cancel culture movement because it means that it makes their their job more difficult and then Tiffany Haddish is out there going oh th- this was the most beautiful act of love i have ever <laughs> seen you're like are you kidding me are, do you realize that will smith just decked a stand-up comedian, the same job that you have. Right. Good point. Uh, and by the way, if anybody ever goes after you, they're going to have to deal with me and Allison and Eric. Because oh, we got your back. Thanks. Because uh, you're a part of the radio too. family. Aw, right. Brian, that's Don't so Don't you agree, nice. Allison? 100%. Thank you. Wow. And even, I didn't feel that way on Wednesday, but I feel it on Thursday. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, Tony Rock, uh, Chris Rock's brother, definitely has Chris Rock's back. He uh, didn't attend the Oscars, but he said he shut down claims that Chris and Smith have put the debacle to rest. Found reports that P. Diddy Combs said that they reconciled at the show because that was a report. That, that wasn't they, true? Not true. Um, Says so a friend of Diddy, which he goes by Puff Daddy Diddy. Yeah. What's his real name? Sean. Sean. Like yeah. We should call Sean him Combs. that. I'm tempted to go with the name you're born with. Right. Um, a friend of Diddy's clarified to people that the music mogul spoke to Chris and Smith separately after the incident, but at the time, Chris and Smith had not spoken to each other. He went up to them privately uh, to have a few words. Chris was in shock, and Diddy tried to give him encouraging words. Then he went over to Will and <laughs> sat next to him. Wild Tony Rock said, no, Diddy didn't do that. He also said that he didn't like the apology that Chris Rock got. He didn't think it was good enough. Oh, the, can I make a prediction? Yes. I think that if Will Smith and Chris Rock ever um, make amends, they're going to make a Super Bowl commercial together. And it's going to That's a great. It's going to, you know, it's going to be one of those ones that everybody talks about the next day. That's what I think is going to happen. Initially, initially I was on the camp that this was fake. Yeah, I was never like that. What's wrong with you? You I, don't trust anything anymore. Well, okay, so my 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 initial reaction was that it was real. And then I looked at the video and I go, "Did I Brian, this is how consumed I became with this ridiculous story. I tried to go frame by frame to see if contact was made. And you can't. His body's in the way. But then I was like, wait, this is weird. Because there's another shot. There's another Stop different it. shot. Oh, yeah, there's another There's shot. more footage. You've seen the shot, right, of the, the impact. Well, here's why I didn't think that it was real is because. They Chris, blocked it. You look well, like they blocked it. Yeah, and then I was like, well, it's suspicious that they only release stills of post-slap. Could this be a whole entire um, setup by the Academy to raise the ratings. And then I said, well, wait a second. Chris Rock's hands are behind his back. And don't you, in acting, isn't that how you do a fake slap? Is the person who's getting slapped in the movie claps with his hands behind his back? No, like I've seen them put their hands next to their cheek. And you hit the cheek I thought like it was, that. I, no, no. no I, oh, well, you can't make any I, noise like that. I thought it was a, like a fake slap. And then the person who's, you know, getting on the receiving of the slap goes with the hands behind the back. All right. Carly Shimkus, thanks so much. Something next. More to know when we return. 
This weekend, check out Brian's new show on Fox News Channel. His new Saturday show lets him ruin your weekends, too. Take it easy, Gutfeld. That really hurts. One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. More of Brian coming up. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back. Carly Shimkus is here, and I cannot find out if there's more to know and let Carly go before we explore together. Carly, ready? Yes. More to know with Carly Shimkus. There, Carly, go first. There is a study about the states that are the least stressed and the most stressed. So the yep. residents who are really in a bad place and the residents who are you know living high on the hog okay most stressed states number one louisiana sorry folks in louisiana there's always a natural disaster there yeah yeah. that's true Uh, but it's such a beautiful state nevada number two new mexico number three number four is west virginia and number five is mississippi everybody in those states drop what you're doing and take a vacation well it blows me away because that's you think outside uh louisiana is very rural yeah right go ahead okay um, the least stressed states. How do I do this? Oh, okay. Um, the least stressed state is Utah, Minnesota, Nor- uh, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and New Hampshire. All of you people keep doing what you're doing. Right, and you don't need five hour energy. You no, don't. You're great. You don't need any Prozac. Yep. Next, Hilaria Baldwin, the wife of Alec, is having her seventh child. Wow. Are you kidding? Is she in? Is she in competition with Rachel Campos? I'm Duffy? not sure, but I mean, can you? Can you? How many? Uh, what's the cutoff? <laughs> there, you know what, Brian? Biologically, I don't think uh, there is one. There is. Well, there is only. Could you so find many. out there's a cutoff? Yeah, on it. This yeah, has been a, All right. You know what? Can I? I can confirm that some of her seven children are boys and some of them are girls. That's all we need to know. That's all. That's all we, we need, need to, to know. know. There's still a lot of mystery with the Baldwin. <laughs> Thanks so much, Carly. Bye. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York City, which if there's any luck, if we can have any luck at all, we will be done with the no-cash-bail law soon in this great country of ours. Uh, also, we will have a chance uh, this hour to to be joined. Let me just try to get these TVs set. Uh, to be joined by uh, Julie Banderas, and we'll do a simulcast on Varney and Company. And I'm going to put the big three on hold right now because I have one of my best uh, guests I could possibly have if you're American, we certainly owe him a debt of gratitude. His name is Ken Burns, our premier documentarian historian in this nation, who has taken on, I would say, the awesome task on taking on a person I believe outside Washington might be America's MVP. Uh, Ken Burns, congratulations on, your, congratulations on your newest project, Benjamin Franklin. It airs uh, in two parts, April 4th and 5th on PBS, of course, uh, beginning at 8 o'clock. Uh, Ken, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. It's great to hear your voice again. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll tell you, I'll get right out of the uh, out of the box. I think uh, there's a moment uh, in the film where you think, wow, maybe he's more important than Washington, because Washington's outside of Yorktown. 
there with 9,000 of his colonial uh, regulars, the Continental Army, closed now and armed by the French. Thank you, Benjamin Franklin. Next to him are nearly the uh, same number of uh, French soldiers who've been sent there by the king. Thank you very much, Mr. Franklin. And Cornwallis, the British commander's escape, is blocked uh, by a French fleet that's also outside of Yorktown. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Franklin. So the singular victory, the victory that won our revolution, is all due to the greatest diplomat in American history, who also happens to be the greatest writer of the 18th century, American writer, the great first American humorist, a successful businessman, the greatest scientist in the world that century, a premier inventor, an editor of the Declaration of Independence and the person who forged all the essential and some tragic compromises that created the United States of America. He's older than any of the others. His son is older than Jefferson and Adams and Madison. So you have the wisdom of the age embodied in this man who is by far one of the most compelling figures of the entire 18th century, if not our American story. Absolutely. And, you know, he's, he's not a perfect guy, but, man, did he live a, uh, a, an incredible life. How did you break it up? You brought it up into two. It's titled Join or Die, yeah. 1706 to yeah. 1774, and the second episode, 75 to 1790. Was that tough to make that decision? Oh, God, yeah. We're moving the goalposts on this thing was, was, was really tough, but it's exactly right. I mean, basically, we have the first 69 years of his life in episode one, and man, is it jam-packed. But in, in addition to all the things that I told you about, episode one has this kid growing up in Puritan Boston who has only two years of schooling. So as one of the commentators in the film says, he didn't know what he didn't need to know, so he decided he had to know everything. That's the key to Benjamin Franklin. He just is curious about who he is. He wants to improve himself. He wants to join with other people. He has great sense of civic responsibility and, and paying back. He is, as you suggest, an enslaver of, of household slaves, but he evolves on that, and by the end of episode two, he's an abolitionist. I mean, it's, it's a really great story, but what happens is he's, he, just, he figures out decades before anybody else that there might be this thing called an American, not a British subject in these 13 colonies, but an American. He's a postmaster. He's connected everybody together. If you're in South Carolina and you send a letter from Charleston to Boston, it goes through London. And he goes, no, no, no. So he begins to um, suggest 20 years before the revolution, what was called the Albany Plan of Action, in which he drew a figure of a segmented snake representing the various states cut up, and he says, join or die. And everybody thought it was too radical. He borrowed this, believe it or not, ironically, from Native American Confederation, the Iroquois Confederation, Haudenosaunee, as it was called, that held together the various tribes without warring uh, because they could found a way to resolve disputes. So he said, Justice, and you know, people said no, too radical for us. But 20 years later, when the revolution happens, it's the slogan that's adopted join or die with this snake cut up representing the 13 colonies. It, it's brilliant. So he understands what it means to be an American, but he's nevertheless spends those 20 years mostly in London, trying to bridge the gap of, uh, of, of between the, the colonists and Great Britain. And the rhetoric is escalating on both sides. It's getting out of hand. He's trying really hard 
He makes a mistake. It's pretty interesting in the film, but he's excoriated in the cockpit, a place in Whitehall in Westminster where Henry VIII used to have cockfights. And guys, a prosecutor screams at him for an hour, and he walked into there a Briton and walks out an American. And so that's sort of the end of the first episode. An event. It's just it's riveting, riveting. I mean, the first fire department, there's a Franklin stove, the lightning rod, bifocals. This is nothing this guy couldn't do. Here's an idea of of the of what you'll see in this two-part series, the latest work of Ken Burns on Benjamin Franklin. Let's listen. The American identity begins when Benjamin Franklin knit the American colonies together. Franklin is endlessly interesting. Printer, scientist, revolutionary. He is the only founding father who evidently had a sense of humor. His vision is broader than the American Revolution. The things that he spoke of, that he wrote about, had a certain amount of power. He really was an American genius. And he's somebody who played a role in the writing of the Constitution, uh, the Declaration of Independence, uh, rather. He was a delegate yeah. of the Constitutional uh, Convention. He wasn't somebody yeah, to fight in the war. He was older than that time, right, Ken? Yes, exactly. Way older. And he and he forges those compromises. If you go back to the Declaration, Jefferson, charged with writing it, beautiful document, obviously, sends it to Franklin first for his edits. He's an editor, right? He's a printer. And um, he says, we hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable. And Franklin goes, hang on a second, Tom. We're in the age of enlightenment. We're governed by reason and experiment and by um, rationality. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And you can see the cross out of sacred and undeniable. Man, it gives you goosebumps, right? And there's the word self-evident. If that isn't, as one of our commentators says, a world-class suggestion, it was just just fantastic. It was just fantastic. And then, you know, he's going to be there to forge it. I mean, he's, he's in at every little thing creating us and the U.S. And, you know, a big important thing is he's on the $100 bill. It's the largest bill in basic circulation in the United States, right? People don't brandish anything higher than a $100 bill usually, right? And he's the symbol of upward mobility. He's the symbol of striving. He's a poor kid from Boston, brings himself up. But we're missing half the picture. It was always tethered, as you said, to this idea of civic responsibility, about giving back, about the about the unum as well as the pluribus. And so he does start volunteer fire departments. He does create a police force. He starts a university. He starts the first free lending library. He starts a um, a, a philosophical society. In fact, that's where the first copy of the Declaration is. You can go see it in there in Jefferson's handwritten, very accessible, looks like my messy handwriting. Uh, but, you know, a lot more important than anything I'll ever write. Uh, and it's all there. And it's, you know, this man comes alive. He gives us a portal into our founding where that doesn't seem so far away. It doesn't feel like waistcoats and right. breeches and powdered wigs. It feels like a real person struggling to be a better person, a more perfect person, as the preamble, the Constitution says, struggling to pursue happiness, which was not material things. It was lifelong learning for the founders. All of them felt that. And he was- capital H happiness. 
with he, that. And he was also, I mean, so many things. I remember reading his first biography. I think it was like 100 pages, and it talked about how, you know, he worked for his brother and then just went on his own to Philadelphia, and he had very little in his pocket. One thing sticks out with me. I'll paraphrase it. He said, I have almost nothing in my pocket, but then someone asked me for money. I don't know why I was compelled. Why is it that when you have so little, you, you're always the first to give, but maybe you don't want people to know how little you have. So he started you know off on meager I- means. Yeah, this is this is really true. He was an indentured servant, one 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 notch short of being a slave, an enslaved person. He was an indentured servant to his older brother James in the print shop, and because he was so good, he would send in these anonymous letters under the name of Silence Do Good and poke fun at Cotton Mather, the reigning you know uh, religious figure of the time and, and and their dogmas. And finally, the brother becomes so jealous that it's impossible, and he runs away, and you know steals gets on a ship and ends up in Philadelphia. But what we find is that people with nothing often give more, a greater percentage of what they have yeah. than people who a lot. Because if you've got a hundred bucks and somebody says, hey man, your friend says, I really need a hundred bucks, you give it to him. Franklin was about that kindness and that generosity. If you've got a thousand bucks, Somebody comes to you and says, hey, give me 100. You go, well, then I'll only have 900. <laughs> so you're just, you know, the calculus, if, okay, I've got a billion. Can you lend me 100 million? You know, whatever it is, it, get, it just gets a little bit. And thank goodness, you know, in our country, philanthropy right. is at the heart of what I do. You know, all my stuff is on public broadcasting. And, and that, besides the broadcast, it'll be available, you know, streaming for, forever for all those on all the PBS platforms. But I don't get these films made unless Bank of America is generous. Exactly. Uh, various individuals, David Rubenstein, the philanthropist, uh, uh, the patriotic philanthropist, is generous, and the Better Angels Society, and the and, Park Foundation, and the, you yeah. know, that sort of stuff. We, I, we I watch it, it I, and I got your PBS app, too. Here's another cut of some of the quotes that you say you find out, or some of them were kind of stolen and reworked. Let's listen. Cut 36. He that lies down with dogs shall rise up with fleas. God helps them that help themselves. Haste, he said, makes waste. And lost time is never found again. God heals, and the doctor takes the fees. A countryman between two lawyers is like a fish between two cats. The greatest monarch on the proudest throne is obliged to sit upon his own arse. Franklin is endlessly quotable. You could live your life, I think, in Franklin aphorisms, most of which we should say are stolen from other people, but slightly reworked. So in Franklin's version, they're in a better form. Three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. (laughs) (laughs) I love that last one. About the process. I know you did it from Walter Isaacson's book, but I always love to hear your... work with Walter. Oh, you work work with with him? So, uh, and, and he's on camera, but we have lots of uh, the, the last one we just heard is Stacey Schiff, who wrote a magnificent book about uh, Jefferson's diplomatic genius in convincing the French, um, another monarch, to, you know, fight another monarch. It's great. But I love when you, since you have such fundamental knowledge to begin with before you start these projects outside maybe Muhammad Ali, I'm not sure. What did you learn that you said, oh, my God, I cannot believe he did that or I can't believe good or bad. What did you learn about uh, Benjamin Franklin? I think I inherited the way most of our listeners had, you know, that the, the, the lightning needed to strike the kite. It didn't. Um, and, and a few of the things, the aphorisms, the sense of being pulling up by the bootstraps, the civic commitment to, to the us of us of the United States, you know, all of that intimacy, all of the things he sacrificed. He held all those inventions you listed at the beginning, Brian, without patent. 
He shared them with humanity. It's the lightning rod based on his scientific principles. I mean, the things that we use today about electricity, I'm presuming you're not an expert in electricity, but, but when we say negative and positive, most people understand what we're talking. When you say battery or charge or conductor, with regard to electricity, people know what you're talking about. These are all Franklin words that he borrowed from other parts of the lexicon to help people understand this fundamental thing. And then he goes, but none of this is useful if unless I do something. So he invents the lightning rod, which sounds like a nothing thing. It saves thousands of lives a year without patent. Same with the stove, same with the catheter, same with the bifocal, same with all of the things. He charted, he's the first person to chart the Gulf Stream and, and explain why it's harder to go, uh, why it takes longer to go in one direction than the other, and why it's warmer and where it's warmer. You know, it's just, it's amazing. He's, He's omnivorous in his curiosity about the facts of life. He looks at the human circulatory system and then looks at a leaf and the veins in the leaf, and he you know, extrapolates some, some great thought. He's just always improving. And I, as I said, the most important thing is he thinks you know, it's okay to own slaves, and then all of a sudden he starts a school for black kids and is stunned to find out in Philadelphia that they have exact same potential and aptitude as white kids. And then all of a sudden, he no longer has slaves, and he is the president in his last year of his life of the, of the Pennsylvania Society for the Abolition of Slavery, and he introduces into the new United States government a thing he is as responsible as anyone for creating, uh, proposing the abolishment of slavery. The Senate doesn't even take it up. The House goes nuts and says no and votes it down, um, and of course – uh, four score and five years from when the declaration was signed, we'll go to civil war over that. But he's there on the right side of things at the right moment, right. well before the abolitionist movement really gets started in the United States in the 1820s and 30s. Ken, you got a busy day. Uh, you have to go to another interview. We have to go to a break, but I can't. Uh, thanks so much for giving us some time. We appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Please take care. Uh, Absolutely, and it's a a great series. I'm so glad you did it. Ken Burns, thanks. It'll be uh, April 4th and 5th at 8 o'clock. You can follow him at Ken Burns and find out details about Benjamin Franklin. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. If I become something different because it, it grew bigger, I'll quit. If I if it gets to a point where I can't do it anymore, where I have to do it in some sort of weird way, hmm. where I, I you know I walk on eggshells yeah. and mind my p's and q's, oh, f- that. Uh, that is Joe Rogan uh, talking about the pressure he has felt in the past. A question he got on his podcast three hours long. Number one or number two in the country, depending on the venue or vehicle. He says, I'll quit before I'll do it. I'll give the money back when it comes to Spotify. I gave him $100 million. I mean, the guy, how many times, the big question is how many times you have to make $100 million to feel as though you don't need to have to anymore. But he, you know, I'm sure he felt pressure. He felt pressure to uh, when Neil Young comes out against him or other people look at some old things that he said that uh, using a word he shouldn't use. But people are digging things up the way, same way they did with Kevin Hart, the same they did with Eddie Murphy, the same thing they're doing with almost every comedian now that you go back to or finding out movies that no longer work, whether it's Gone with the Wind on down. I never saw anybody running and trying to destroy history than this generation of all ages. Now the latest one is we can't have Disney movies. 
We can't have Disney parks. They use the term boys and girls. They don't have enough gay characters, trans characters, Hispanic characters, black characters. I, I just, I, I understand that with crews, when it comes to crews, when it comes to making a movie, if you don't have diversity in the crew, from the key grip to the director, you're not going to be eligible for any awards. You might not be able to get financing. They'll pressure groups and studios uh, not to do the movie which is wiping out a lot of qualified people. Uh, maybe you have too many Hispanics on that show, and you got a great, uh, you got a great lighting guy or woman. Sorry, I have too many Hispanics. I need, a, I need a white woman, or I need a black woman, or I need a black man, or I need a gay man. Uh, I need a gay woman. I, can't do, I need a trans woman, or else I'm not going to be able to do The Godfather Part 7. That's where they're heading in Hollywood, and they deserve this type of ac- acrimony and challenge because they started all this. Incredible. Hey, when we come back, uh, Julie Banderas joins me. I'm sure she has an opinion on this and so much more. And then Barney and Comfy will do a simulcast. Brian Kilmeade here. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. And for them... To let him stay in that room and enjoy the rest of the show and accept his award, I was like, how gross is this? This is just the wrong message. You know, like you assault somebody, you get escorted out the building and that's it. You know, uh, uh, but but for them to let him continue, I thought I thought it was was gross. Wow. That is Wanda Sykes, uh, one of the two, uh, one of the three hosts of the Oscars which was pretty much a bunch of movies that you probably didn't see because those RT movies are not the big box office ones. The ones that you, I, evidently in the movie business, it's all about the cartoons, doing the uh, Spider-Mans and all those, uh, the Batmans, those are the ones that get the big box office. So just when you thought it was okay to go to bed around 11.15, we fought the famous slap hurt around the world. Now we find out that Will Smith, after he hit Chris Rock, was asked to leave. He said no. How unbelievable is that? Julie Banderas is here. You see her all over the channel. You'll see her today at noon. Julie, you said to me before this started, right. great to see you. Good to see um, you. You said, I love this story. Oh, God, I love this story. First of all, I mean, the fact that he wasn't kicked out, forced out. I mean, if you get in a bar fight, okay, there's a bouncer there you're ready gone. to drag your butt Even out of there. you're famous. You're at the freaking Oscars that's being televised internationally, and you're not being told to leave. You don't have a choice when you bring violence on another person. That's an illegal act, first of all. Whether, but he's about to win Best Actor. Oh, my God. I know. And then he didn't even address it, which makes it worse, which then also you know, further proves the point that his apology was a bunch of BS. Next okay? day on Instagram. Next day on Instagram, he apologizes publicly to Chris Rock. He should have apologized on that stage. Not that that would have been much better, but at least it would have been a start. He shouldn't have been on the stage, period. But, I mean, how do you say no when security goes over? Because you're Will Smith, right? Exactly, because you're Will Smith. So, so cool. I think Ricky, uh, Ricky Gervais says he looked at Twitter and he was trending. He's like, what am I doing? He's in England. And they came up to oh, him because he's, he's so funny. He's the ultimate insult yeah, comic yeah, yeah. where he got personal with everybody. But you don't usually make fun of somebody's hair if they have a disease. Right. My sense is Chris Rock did not know. I don't think he knew. And he said he didn't know. But everyone's like, how could you not know? Because I don't know. I don't follow her career. So, so uh, they went to Ricky Gervais and he said, what would happen? He goes, it never would have happened to me. He goes, why? He goes, I wouldn't have made fun of her hair. I would have made fun of her boyfriend who's 22 years old and the friend of her son's. That's 
a better joke and more Ricky Gervais esque. And it's it's actually and you can't out punch there. Him for that. And it's out there, so yeah. you can't even get mad about it because she herself and he have admitted to the fact that they have an open relationship. So Is that, by the way, it's did out that there. ever work? No, I don't I think so. I mean, how could I mean, that I've never ever tried work? it. I actually should try. I'm going to try it, <laughs> and then I'll get back to you next time I'm here, and I'll let you know how Julie that Julie would help out. the show. I would. I, listen, Brian, I'll if do you, anything. If you could help my radio show that I way. will absolutely do anything. I'm going to try it. Should, In, how many people do I need to if, date if, before I come back on the show? To make it effective? Yeah. Like Something I, Gallup like would I accept? Like, I need to do a real scientific right. poll, like an AP poll, maybe a Fox News poll. What I would need is cooperation from other people. Here's why. Okay. Because so I can't just say- it has to be Oh, Jesus. Yes. I didn't say that. What I'm trying to think of, that's a good point, too. It should be consensual. Oh, okay. The other thing is we have to get couples to agree to this, and it's got to be couples that I don't uh, know. Okay. Because it would be awkward for me. Okay. Because <laughs> if you're going to do a survey, whether it's dentist or whether it's a politician, right. you need more than just the Julie Banderas marriage, <laughs> don't you think? Yeah, I guess you're right. Right. You're right. So, so this is it's an open relationship. Why they think it'll work is beyond me. I mean, I know that's Hollywood-centric, but the kids seem pretty wacky, too. Yeah, I mean, I feel so sorry for their children. I, I, I just, I think the whole thing is terrible. I think Will Smith has has got to be punished somehow by the Oscars. I mean, they've got to. They can't got, take the. They can't take it away. No, but they're going to punish him. Five years I mean, ineligible. Maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. Like suspend him so that he's ineligible to be awarded for an award show that is just so grand. And it also just put a shadow on everybody else the whole night. There were so many beautiful moments, Liza Minnelli, that whole thing, and. He ruined it for a lot of different actors. Liza Minnelli, now, I heard people uh, talking about this. Was it awkward? Is she really not? Yeah. Not yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I question why they put her up there, to be honest. Right. I mean, it made me uncomfortable. It made me feel sorry for her. I thought Lady, I mean, Lady Gaga is a sweetheart, the way that she handled it. But I just was so uncomfortable for her. L- let me put it this way. If that was my mother or my grandmother, I would have been mad at the Academy for putting her on the stage and putting her in that sort of spotlight. Right. And plus, would your grandmother ever uh, introduce... A category at the Oscars? No, no, yeah. no. So yeah, and we've never been invited to the Oscars. The entire bandera, which family, is a shame. Which I actually am a bit. And, it, with, and with that is also not right. No. Here's Chris Rock last night in Boston. I think some people were saying that his tickets to a normal comedy club yes. night. So listen to what he said. This is how he dressed. He's wearing an all white suit. You saw him walk in with his hat down, and evidently people said he was funny, but he could tell he was still shaking up. Cut nineteen. I don't have like a bunch of what happened so if you came to hear that I'm not I had like a whole show I wrote before <laughs> this weekend and I'm still kind of processing what happened like at some point I'm talking about this <laughs> so how do you handle that I mean he's not a main even though he's one of the top five comics in the country He's not a mainstream Bob Saget like uh, sadly has passed away. Where he's a mainstream comic, so how do you maintain that cool? At the same time, your story is going to be worth a lot. I mean, it's Oprah. It's uh, listen. I mean, he's, is it Oprah? You call? He doesn't have Will Smith money, but he's a he's a popular comedian. I mean, I know him personally. Actually, he used to play at, and he still does perform at the Comedy Cellar, and I'm really good friends with the owner there. So he's a good guy. He has a lot of mean comedy, but that is kind of part of the roasting of right. it. I don't necessarily love roasting. I think I mean I like to roast, but not going for the gut. Sometimes they go a little too far. But I mean I think this is great for his career. His tickets used to sell for around two hundred hundred. 
150 to 200 dollars. Some of these tickets were selling for over 900 dollars. Mm. So his star is rising. So I think he should send Will Smith a thank you note. Quite frankly, right. So here, I, I, I actually, I, evidently behind the scenes, he or said like flowers, he, dead ones, dead he, flowers. He had some. Uh, he had some. Uh, good lines, I guess, behind the scenes. He said, Muhammad Ali just punched me and I don't have a scratch. Yep, I saw and, that. Uh, so that was good. And then we heard the erroneous report that he, P. Diddy said they were at the party and they made up. That's not true. They nope. never spoke. By the way, would you go to a party after you get hit in an international television? Jesus, I don't know. What about Will Smith dancing oh, I on know. that? I, oh, and by the way, did you see some of the behind the scenes? When he told the joke, Will Smith was cracking up. It wasn't until Jada rolled her eyes that he reacted. So that was interesting. He didn't really get mad until he saw that his wife didn't take it well. Right. Uh, well, Christy Alley says this. I don't usually voice complaints about Hollywood because it's been very good to me, but after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in front of the world and then got a standing ovation for the award, I was disgusted beyond words. Get your blank together, Hollywood. Violence is not an option. You know who said that? Jim Carrey said that. Oh, I love what Jim Carrey said. You think he was he right? He says I should have. I'd sue him for $200 million. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know about a lawsuit, but I think he should have pressed charges. I, I don't know. Well, do you think uh, this is bigger than when uh, Kanye West interrupted yes. Taylor Swift? Oh, yes. And I hate Kanye West. I just want to put that on the record. I can't stand him. But this isn't about him. This is about this. I think that this is a much bigger deal. I mean, what Kanye did was disgusting. Um, but what, what Will Smith did is illegal. I mean, there's a big difference. Well, a couple of things, too, is that now Chris Rock is going to sit down and he's going to talk to somebody. But I think it's kind of cool that he didn't just make a statement, doesn't bother me, whatever. I also think it's pretty amazing, although I heard the whole thing, he wasn't too cool afterwards. He was trying to get his, trying to get his composure back. He was back. really shaken up. He was, but he continued. Yeah. He continued. Well, he had to. He had no choice. Right. Well, he could say, guys, you straighten this out. I'm out of here. And for the West Coast, for the East Coast fee, which we got, they could have edited that out. I would have right? insisted that Will Smith get dragged out of that stadium or out of that theater before I return to the stage. But what is better with Julie, what you just said, or what he did? I mean, if he said, listen, I'm not going to do this. You, you get out. I, I, don't, I don't want this guy here anymore. Then all of a sudden, it's who likes Will Smith and who likes Chris Rock. But right. he sits up there. He says it was a joke, and then he keeps cursing. I actually, I, yes, I think it's good for, I think what Chris Rock did was right. I think what he did was good because he's gaining more sympathy. I think he is looking, a lot of people were upset with him because he went after Jada and her hair issue. But he obviously didn't, I don't think, know about her health issues. I think everyone's siding mostly on Chris. Julie, um, what are you doing today at noon? Did you see your rundown? Did you approve it? You work yes. with John Roberts. Um, I am going to be on Outnumbered. Oh, Actually, outnumbered. Yeah, I'm going to be on Outnumbered at 12 o'clock, and we're going to be talking about tons of stuff. We're going to be talking about the um, parents' rights bill in Florida that Governor DeSantis signed on Wednesday and, you know, the fallout because of that. And uh, people say, don't say gay bill. I hate that. that but it's mislabeled it to, it's not to what defame. It's I'm sorry, but it, it involves kindergartners through third grade. I have children in those grades, and I do not talk to them about gender or sex. And I don't even talk to my 11-year-old about sex. Do you know parents that would would disagree with you, that want their toddler talking about sexuality and That's identification ridiculous. and gender identification? Yeah, well, not this parent. And so when this is read, do you realize what a win this is going to be for Governor DeSantis? Mm-hmm. When they actually, even though he didn't write it, mm-hmm. he approved it right. and signed it. But do you realize when people realize the note, they're mislabeling this, they're, they're allowing Joe Biden to walk into a, a raging bonfire. Mm-hmm. 
No, I know. And well, and Joe Biden has also just passed legislation that is going to defend, um, you know, trans surgeries and so forth and different procedures for minors. I can't even get into all of that. I, I like honestly, I just think, you know, there is a certain age that you introduce talk about sexuality and it's not when you're five. I'm still not comfortable. No, I'm, I'm not, still I'm not. I, I and still, I'm only 25 and, I have and I'm not ready to go. It there. would help me a lot if I there was someone I'll I could teach talk you a to, thing or two. Brian. If you don't mind. OK, next all time. Right, so, Julie, we'll do that in the break. We'll watch you on outnumbered at noon. Okay. Back in a moment. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm going to go on with Stuart Varney on FBN when we return. Don't move. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney. Don't just hang in there on your investments. Call Talon Wealth and get peace of mind with active management of your portfolio. Dial pound 250 and save financial plan. Investment advisory services offered through Talon Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Hey, uh, in a matter of moments, I'm going to go FBN. And don't forget, right after I hang up with Stuart Varney, 1-866-408-7669. And also getting set to host One Nation. Keep in mind, too, as Brett, uh, Brett Bear finishes up with Stuart Varney. One Nation, Saturdays at 11, repeat, Saturdays at 8, repeated at 11 p.m. Eastern time. So I'll make sure to do that. And we're going to open up with a very good topic. <laughs> you can't do that to Brett Bear, but I did it. Hey, Brian, good morning to you. Good to see you. I hate following Brett. He's a superstar. He is. He is indeed. The CDC allowed the teachers union to edit the guidance that kept millions of children out of school. Here's here's the CDC director saying it. Roll tape. Maybe not. Okay. we know that the teachers union was allowed to edit the guidelines that the CDC put out for going back to school. And essentially, I think that kept kids out of school for a long time. What do you make of that? Especially in New York City, where some kids are still not back in the system. The longer yeah. they stayed out, the harder it would to get them in. A lot of them are in adverse situations. We know how hard it is in urban environments a lot of times because of the challenging situations to learn from home. Some didn't have laptops. Instead of saying, we've got to get these kids back in school, they did everything they should, put tons of money in, got the schools compliant, put the teachers inoculated first. And then we find out behind the scenes, they put their hand on, they, they paid the refs. Yeah. And yeah. the CDC was supposed to be guided by the science. Remember, President Trump wasn't led by the science. He was led by politics, not with Joe Biden. Oops, absolutely with Joe Biden. Where was Anthony Fauci expressing some outrage on that? Like he would sit there right next to President Trump and basically contradict exactly what the former president had to say. Why wouldn't that come up to with Chuck Todd meet the press? Hey, by the way, the CDC is taking their marching orders from the teachers unions not from you. How does it feel? But it never came up, and he never put that out there either. Never expressed some concern. The reputation of the CDC and the teachers' union has been trashed. That is my opinion, and I'm going to stick with it. I've got to raise this one with you as well, Brian. We got a New York City Health Department uh, person. Uh, she was bludgeoned with a hammer by an ex-con. Now she's blaming the woke bail report reforms for surging crime. The bail or low bail, the no bail or low bail rule, Brian, it's got to go, right? It's got to go. Hey, look, the Democratic mayor said it. Uh, the appointed police chief of New York said it. We know in Nassau County, uh, we, we had Commissioner Ryder say this is going to be a disaster. Uh, we had the same thing in Suffolk County, New York, and then the whole country gets this no cash bail. Look at the smashing grabs in San Francisco and Los Angeles. 
it is unbelievable what's taking place here brazenly because there's no there's there's going to be no hell to pay. So just to have everyone update you what's happening in New York, the mayor went up and got his uh, went up to Capitol Hill and got blistered to even bring yeah. me, uh, to Albany, the state capitol, and got blistered for even asking to go to the no cash bail. Then the commissioner went up and said the same thing. The governor saw the polls that six out of every ten New Yorkers want no cash bail eliminated and back to the way it was. So Governor Hochul hoping to win her first election. Remember, she was appointed after Governor Cuomo was disgraced by we exposed exactly what he's about. And she is going, okay, I'm going to look to reform no cash bail. Not the way it should be, but to a degree. And she's still getting pushback from the Democrats. It's anti-citizen. These are the types of things that got Governor Youngkin elected in Virginia. And we'll get possibly... Uh, congressman, uh, but, congressman, but the tide's turned. Yeah, but Brian, the tide is turning. These experiments in city government, from Los Angeles to New York to Chicago, have not worked, and everybody knows it. I think there's some serious, big change to come. Last word to you. Yeah, I, I just saw Congressman Zeldin, who's uh, mm-hmm. Jewish, serves in the military. Congressman from New York, one in a very purple district. He is now. She is. He is now one, between one and two points. From Hochul. Why is that in a Democratic state? The things you just said, Stuart, because the American people are done, New Yorkers in particular, done with high taxes where you get very little in return, done with the fact that there's no uh, hell to pay and criminals never seem to pay. They want to be safe in their own city. They want to have a livable city. They don't want an arrogant place. That's why there could be some massive change here. Uh, At least my hope is. is. I think I think it will. I think the tide is really beginning to turn in the favor of peace and justice. That's my opinion. Brian, you're all right. Thanks for joining us, always. We'll see you again soon. All right, go get him, Stuart. Thank you. All right, 1-866-408-7669. So, I mean, uh, there's no question. I don't know if you've seen that. I was talking about it today, is that there's a big push in Albany now among some Democrats and not enough to, because it's basically a Democratic-run state. There's no more House majority in either legislative body. And there's certainly not a Republican governor. It's not since Governor Pataki and, uh, and who had to be moderate because of the people he uh, leads. There's no cash bail. You have, the people are getting out as if they didn't commit any crime at all. And they find out that 5% of the people that are accused of a crime have uh, been charged with a crime. They get to leave on their own recognizance. 5% that they know of go ahead and uh, commit that crime again. So why would you even risk that? Well, because prisons were overcrowded. So you emptied the prison during the pandemic, which was your agenda anyway. And then you find out with no cash bail, it says it's not fair to rich people. They can bail their way out, the Hunter Bidens of the world. And uh, other people who uh, live paycheck to paycheck or on government assistance, they, they are accused of a crime. They have to stay in. There could be something that could be addressed on that. I understand that. But when it comes to violent crime, you should let or uh, crimes in which people could reoffend, carjacking seems to me, something that you would do more than once, let the judge at least have the ability to look at that criminal, look at their past, and say, okay, you're staying behind bars. I, it's not fair to the American public for us to do this. So I think that that's, uh, I think that's, uh, it's going to change. And I think New York could be the first to change when it comes to this no-cash bail. I don't know anybody that's actually for it because a lot of people that are for it uh, have representatives that voted for it and also know people who are directly affected by the number of uh, crimes that are happening in and around this area. Now get this. The governor, the mayor of New York City, is saying, I'm tired of this homeless situation. Let's get these encampments up. Look at all these syringes. 
And when it comes to the subways, why are we letting people beat the fare? Let's start grabbing those people. What did Rudy Giuliani, Ray Kelly, and Commissioner Bratton do? Exactly that. And Carrick. Back to the future. However it happens, make it happen. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, we know a couple of things going on today. President Zelensky addressed the Australian Parliament, the guys at PR Genius, as well as under duress and showing great leadership. He'll also address the Belgian Parliament. So wants everybody to know uh, he's still fighting. And 72% of America trust President Zelensky. And good, because he's got a lot of our money. So before we get to Pierce Morgan, at the bottom of the hour, a guy named Brett Baer, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And for them to let him stay in that room and enjoy the rest of the show and accept his award, I was like, how gross is this? You assault somebody, you get escorted out the building, and that's it. Yeah, getting worse. That's how I feel the fallout is with Will Smith's and his despicable Oscar attack on Chris Rock as more and more stars speak out. And it's revealed that Smith would not leave when told to. What goes on from here? Number two. But in the two weeks up to the presidential campaign, Joe Biden, when asked about this material, repeatedly accused reporters who asked him about it and the Republican Party and Donald Trump, who raised it, of spreading Russian disinformation and serving Vladimir Putin. Uh, that is, of course, Glenn Greenwald, Hunter Biden's days as a te- as a Teflon crack smoking international businessman trading on his father's name may be numbered and he might be coming to a crashing close. The question, why now and how long are we going to pretend as if Joe Biden didn't know all of it and participate in it on every level? Number one, we would concur with the conclusion that Mr. Putin ha- has not been fully informed uh, by uh, his Ministry of Defense at every turn over the last month. Wow, uh, that is John Kirby. How much does Vladimir Putin actually know about the war of choice in Ukraine? Does he know about his men's morale, the number of dead and wounded, and the struggles to take the capital of that country? Listening to the U.S. and U.K. intel, his people are afraid to bring him the truth while the Ukrainians valiantly fight on, but they have uh, having a lot of times in Mariupol having a really tough times in certain areas, and they're being actually targeted. It looks as though, in many cases, the Russia's actually targeting civilians, hospitals, and schools. It's unthinkable. Barbaric. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Pierce Morgan. We're lucky enough to have him in New York uh, for this week. Pierce, have you enjoyed your stay at Fox? Brian, I've had a fantastic time. I've been hosting The Five this week and basically, basically watching and listening to you all week. <laughs> you are the hardest man working man I know in New York, and it's been a pleasure watching you. I wake up to you, I'm now talking to you, and doubtless you'll be doing stuff for the rest of the day as well. No, you know what I just noticed? From, thank you for saying that, but you know, I notice it seems like you fit into the fabric here seamlessly like you've been here for 20 years. I mean, you walked into a lot of different buildings in different countries. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. I do, actually. I mean, it's interesting because I used to work for... Rupert Murdoch, of course, the the boss of Fox, uh, 30 years ago, I ran one of his big newspapers back in the UK, and it feels like my career uh, has come full circle now, and I'm back working for him again. And I've got to say, when I've been at the 
in the Fox building all week meeting everybody. Uh, I, what I feel about Fox is it has a tremendous confidence, which is now reflected in all the ratings. They're obviously yeah. killing everybody in the ratings. And I used to work at CNN, and um, they're obviously having a lot of trouble over there. And I think that because I think Fox is authentic. It's true to itself. It doesn't pretend to be anything it's not, whereas I think a lot of the problems having at CNN are some of the anchors have drunk the sort of woke Kool-Aid and are pretending to be something they're not, or indeed propagating opinions which never used to be allowed when I used to work there. So it's refreshing to be at somewhere like Fox where people are allowed to all have different opinions, allowed to express them vigorously. Uh, but there's a confidence that runs through the place, which I find very uh, contagious. So, yeah, a couple of things. I think it's almost laughable when I see these stories where uh, one anchor has a different opinion than a different host, and there's tension between them. No, it isn't. You have your own. You, you say what you want to say, and you can really react to a reporter. And a reporter can call in and go, "Listen, I think you you, you had that that general on, and I think that general's information's wrong." That's called a slice of life. That's called when Jennifer Griffin calls in and has a problem with something in a show. That is called Fox. And and when other people have different opinions at eight than eleven, that's that's what makes our our channel best and and I didn't come up with that idea that's that's what the management's always felt it's it's a real reality show to be honest well, yeah, I mean, look, I have this new show, uh, Piers Morgan Uncensored, coming to Fox Nation in, in three and a half weeks. And the point of the show is going to be airing in the UK, the US and Australia. It's so a three different continents. But my belief is the world now, in terms of debate, has become a very small place. And people are incensed. The vast majority of these three countries, and I particularly sense it since I've been back in the States for a few weeks, they're incensed that it's a small group of very angry, joyless, woke individuals who are running around terrorizing everyone, telling everyone how they should be thinking, what, they, what they're allowed to find funny, what films they can watch, what TV shows are acceptable, what statues they can revere, and so on. And I get a real burning sense now of mounting rage from people that they can't even express an opinion without potentially being cancelled in their workplace or losing friends and family members and so on. And I want to bring back what you've just been talking about, which is Debate, the art of debate, which used to be that you could have vigorous debate with somebody and then go and have a beer with them and have a laugh and agree to disagree and reach points of consensus and maybe have your mind changed about something. And I think it's so sad the way that society has now been driven to these sort of extremities and people who think it's not just enough that they have an opinion, but if you don't agree with that opinion, you've got to be destroyed. And everything about you has to be destroyed. I mean, and I we, think this did, is a, a nonsensical in a, in a supposed democracy. Yeah, it's called Pierce Morgan Uncensored. Premieres uh, April 25th on Fox Nation. Uh, and our, our listeners are used to going there. In fact, they're watching us on Fox Nation now. They stream this show. So uh, is that what you right. have with Sharon Osbourne? What was it like for you watching your friends stick up for you in America? And next thing you know, she doesn't have a job anymore. Well, we've just uncancelled Sharon Osbourne. She's going to be joining the new network in the UK and having the show that comes after mine. Uh, and I'm very pleased about that. I fought very hard for that because actually what happened to me was bad enough where my company, ITV in the UK, a big major media company, TV network, organization and so on, they you know, tried to compel me to have an opinion I didn't have. You know, the Meghan Markle interview aired on the Oprah Winfrey uh, uh, interview aired and I took a view I didn't believe anything she was saying. Uh, which has been substantiated by the fact that 17 different things she said have since been proven to be untrue. So this was hardly a controversial view. In fact, after people watched it around the world, most people didn't believe a lot of what she was saying. So I was told, look, you've got to apologize. I said, well, for what? 
And I said, well, because your opinions upset people. I went, well, good. I don't <laughs> care. Why would I care if people, my opinion upsets people? I'm not compelled in a, in a democratic society to have to believe somebody, particularly when they're lying. Anyway, the long story was short. I was gone within 24 hours. I had to go for refusing to apologize. I was given the option of apologizing and staying for leave. But what then happened the next day to Sharon Osbourne was, in my view, even more egregious. So she's uh, been on the talk uh, for CBS for 10 years. I've been many times with her there and her co-host, like Sharon Underwood, who then just completely chucked her under a bus. Sharon had done one tweet uh, basically saying, I'm entitled to my opinion. Not that she agreed with me, just that I was entitled to my opinion. And she got jumped on her own show without any warning by Cheryl Underwood, her black co-host, who played the race card with her and said, You've, how do you feel about people criticizing you for supporting someone who, who said racist things? Me. So she said, well, what's what he said that's racist? And of course, after a few minutes, it was clear I hadn't said anything racist because I hadn't said anything racist. And the Cheryl Underwood simply wanted to make the point that if you don't believe Meghan Markle's claims, you must de facto be a racist, which is another part of society at the moment where if you think it's wrong that transgender athletes are competing against women born to inferior female biological bodies, you must be transphobic, when in fact that's not necessarily the case. Uh, I'm not a racist, but uh, I was accused of being a racist for disbelieving Meghan Markle. Sharon Osbourne is accused of being a racist sympathiser for saying I have a right to an opinion. And this was how nuts it all got. But the, the bottom line for Sharon, she got cancelled. She got destroyed. She lost the job she loved. She didn't work for the next year. Nobody would hire her. She was abused left, right and centre by people who wanted to make death threats against her and her family, all for just saying that I was entitled to have an opinion. And that was the moment I realised the world has gone completely nuts. And the point of my show is to try and put the world back to right. And I know that you... Uh, are also part of this charge, which is let's get back to common sense, to civility, to having the ability to debate with each other. Let's go back to disagreeing, but then going and having a beer and just go back to what a liberal democracy used to be like. This is what it used to be, that you could do this. I hear you. And I'll give you the latest example is this uh, don't say gay bill, which is totally mislabeled. This is a bill out there that was signed by the governor that basically said for kindergartners, first graders, second graders, and third graders, don't bring up gender identity, don't bring up sexuality, focus on the curriculum. And they mislabeled it, mischaracterized it. Now you have the president ranting about uh, what the Florida bill is looking at, a Justice Department that's examining it, when the average American will look at this and say, of course you should not be talking about gender gender identity to five-year-olds, Correct. Well, also, look at the brazen hypocrisy of Disney. So Disney's boss, the new CEO there, said, we're not getting involved in politics, which is a laudable position, by the way, for any of those companies. Why should they? Uh, because I would imagine that Disney is there, hundreds of thousands of employees, have many people who skew on both sides of the political divide. So why would you take sides against your own employees? And if you do want to get political Disney, then what about your silence about the Uyghur Muslims in China? Uh, which we know why you're silent, because if you said nothing about it to criticize China, you'd have no more box office sales in China. So there's a cowardice to that moral supposed point of principle. But I look at the way Disney's rolled over to the woke brigade on this uh, situation down in Florida. And I listened to what uh, DeSantis, the governor, had to say about it. And I thought he made some really good points. And one of the points I would make about not bowing to the mob is look at the way that Netflix responded to the Dave Chappelle uproar. They stood by their guy. Look at the way Spotify stood by Joe Rogan. Yep. These are the green shoots of hope, Brian, because 
corporate America, like corporate UK, corporate Australia, everywhere else, the corporate world has got to stop bowing to this mob. The mob is not the majority of people. In fact, it's a tiny minority of people who they get their bloodlust up and they demand, 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 and they never stop. And, you know, you see the Disney guy. He's been apologizing now ever since he took a position of not being political. And I suspect he'll lose his job eventually because the woke brigade in his own employment ranks have decided he's vulnerable and weak and they can get out of it whatever they want. Whereas Spotify and Netflix, in my view, cemented a reputation for being homes of free speech. Good for them. You know, they're not perfect by any means. But the idea that Joe Rogan is one of the most I would say one of the most tolerant guys out there he in is. terms of allowing all different kinds of views on this show. He has a fascinating uh, podcast, which I listen to regularly, often disagrees with people, often admits he's wrong, often changes his mind. Well, that's what we should want from our leading media commentators. Similarly with Dave Chappelle, he's a very brilliant comedian, and I, I'm delighted that he also didn't lose his job simply because some people were offended. The bottom line is that these people are offended by everything get up in the morning, Brian, and they're offended. They're offended by the weather. They're offended by, you know, what shoes they got to wear. They're offended by everything. So the moment you bow to them, the offense never stops, and nor does the groveling, and they're never happy. They're a joyless bunch of people who want to suck the joy out of our lives. So, we shouldn't let them. Piers, I hear you. I want you to hear what Joe Rogan said yesterday on his podcast that you listened to. If I become something different because it grew bigger, I'll quit. If, I, if it gets to a point where I can't do it anymore, where I have to do it in some sort of weird way, hmm. where I, I, you know, I walk on eggshells yeah. and mind my P's and Q's, oh, f*** that. And when, you know, and he said, I'll give you back my, you know, take back what's left of my contract, I am done. That's what you need, the yeah. most powerful yeah. standing up, because you can't cancel Dave Chappelle. Wherever he goes, he's selling out, no. he'll, he'll sell out a stadium. And those are the people that, that, well, that got to stand I mean, strong. On a lesser level... Right. I mean, I, I resonated completely with me what Joe Rogan said, because I went through a similar thought process with ITV back in the UK. And, and I had a choice. Do you surrender? Do you wave the white flag? Do you grovel and apologize for a sincerely held opinion that I still hold today? Or do you actually have a bit of integrity about yourself and go, no, I'm not doing this. Sorry, I'm out of here. Because who wants to be neutered in life, Brian? If I said to you, right, Brian, you can carry on doing all your shows. But these are the parameters you have to work under. These are the things you're allowed to say. What would you say? You go nuts. You go, I'm not doing that. Half of your magic and appeal as a broadcaster is because you say what you think. Right. You know, you're very opinionated and you don't expect everyone to have to agree with you, but you want to have the right to be honest about your opinions. I'm the same. And I just think the moment a society doesn't allow that, doesn't allow honest opinion to be expressed, then that is no longer a proper democratic society. Uh, great. And, and Pierce, just a, uh, a curious question. Are you going to be filling in here, too? Are we going to see more of you, or are you going to be located in Britain? I'm hoping so, yeah. I'm hoping so. I, I want to bring the show here uh, to the States. I've got a place, actually, in L.A., and I come out here regularly anyway. We're going to be filming mostly from London, but it will be a lot of American content on the show. I'm a massive America fan. I've, I've lived and worked out here for nearly 20 years now. I love the people. I love the culture. Uh, but I also feel that in relation to the culture, there's a culture war going on. And it's a war to yep. preserve a culture. And I think you and I know the kind of culture we want to live in. And I think it's the culture that most Americans want to live in. You know, but just be mindful always that the people demanding all this change are a tiny minority of people. And I don't think we should be changing everything in our society right. just to please a bunch of permanently outraged people on Twitter.
You just put together a great commercial to watch, uh, Pierce Morgan Uncensored. Uh, the debuts April 25th <laughs> on my favorite app, Fox Nation. Thanks, Pierce. Appreciate it. Hope to see you in person next Don't time you're in town. Brian. Thanks for your time. You got it. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. I'll come back with your calls. Brett Baer next. He's going to be talking to President Zelensky, I think, later on today or tomorrow. One of these days. It depends on the time difference. But I can't wait to get his preview of his interview. Don't move. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's controversial because it was misrepresented. But also, when you when you look at it, it's like don't teach gender and sexuality to kids third grade and under. How is that unreasonable? If you, I got, if you, my counter view is if you really want to talk to a five year old or a seven year old or an eight year old about their sexuality and, and gender, that's on you. You're a pervert. You're a weirdo. I don't give a damn if you're a teacher or a sex ed. There's something weird if you want to share your sexuality. Like, I want to tell little Billy that I am a pansexual woodland nymph. You know, it's like, then you know what? You do that, you go see your shrink. That's for your shrink. You leave the kids out of it. Absolutely. That's why I think Governor DeSantis is going to come out on top again. Remember, very similar to what happened with the pandemic. He goes, I'm lifting up restrictions. I'm going to let people make their own judgment. I'm going to make sure when they get the vaccine, the seniors get it first. I'm going to spread it out wide and and we're going to see how they do it. We're going to give it to supermarkets and uh, CVSs and let them people go to it. And I was like, what are you doing? How could you lift restrictions? That's so irresponsible. You're putting everybody else in danger. How dare you? You know what happened? Everyone went to Florida. The numbers were lower than New York, lower than the repressive regimes in California. And he sat there. And when the surge came back and the wave came back and hit Florida first, they said, see, it happened. And then it came back and hit every single state and said, do you want to be knuckled under in a hunch, in a crouch when this pandemic hits? Or do you want to be educated on what to do and make your own decisions? Same thing with this. With Yunkin realized early parents matter in Virginia, Governor DeSantis never stopped understanding uh, the idiocy of talking about sex to kindergartners. When we come back, we'll talk to Brett Baer, who also has a play. Last time I saw Brett was in Florida. We'll talk about that and so much more, including his interview with President Zelensky. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. that makes you think this is the brian kilmeade show it increasingly looks like putin has massively misjudged the situation it's clear he's misjudged the resistance of the ukrainian people he underestimated the strength of the coalition his actions would galvanize he underplayed the economic consequences of the sanctions regime and he overestimated the abilities of his military to secure a rapid victory. I mean, I hope that's the case. It would seem like the case. That is the perspective of the intelligence agents, uh, the head of the intelligence agency with the UK speaking in Australia, about what the Russians thought going into this invasion, how they think it's going six weeks in, how many people they've lost, how many people are wounded, how bad the morale is. Does Vladimir Putin really care? I mean, who is giving the order to kill civilians, hospitals, kindergartens, theaters? 
uh, with people in them, blow them up from afar because close contact has not worked well. Urban, um, the urban environment is not something they want to engage in. So that's a big story in the Washington Post, and they say they have multiple sources that say that everyone's afraid to give Vladimir Putin bad news. And that's why he is continuing to fight this war and is so reluctant to get uh, into any substantial talks. So welcome back, everyone. Here's more from Jeremy Fleming. We've seen this strategy before. We saw the intelligence picture building. And now we're seeing Putin trying to follow through on his plan. But it is failing. And his plan B has been more barbarity against civilians and cities. It's clear that he plays by different moral and legal rules. Yeah, and that's what everyone keeps to saying. And Kirby was saying the same thing. Kate Benningfield filling in for uh, Jen Psaki said the same thing from the White House. That kind of makes me nervous. Uh, Brett Baer joins us now. Uh, Brett's over in Washington, D.C., getting set to to interview President Zelensky uh, sometime in the next 24 hours. Brett, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Hey, Brett, are you somebody from the people you know and from what you read that believe that the report in the Washington Post is true, citing multiple sources that say that Vladimir Putin was kept really in the dark about how challenging this would be, how uh, overestimated his uh, military, and doesn't know how bad it is going compared to what he expected? I will say that that's what defense and intel folks are saying, both publicly and privately. It's hard to believe in today's day and age that that is true. I mean, it's not like you can't turn a television on and see what's happening yeah. on the ground um, and, or go to social media or do whatever. Now, they're restricting all of that in Russia, but not for Putin. And so it's, it's tough to fully buy into that he's in the dark, uh, but maybe uh, – there's some nuance there about how poorly his military has done um, on the ground. Here is what uh, Zelensky was telling the Australian Parliament about the war effort and the talks and why he he's not optimistic. Cut to. If we don't stop Russia now, if we don't hold Russia accountable, then some other countries of the world who are looking forward to the similar war against their neighbors will decide that such things are possible for them as well. The fate of the global security is decided now. No one can manage winds or precipitations. It means no one can save any part of the world from radioactive contamination which will come if uh, nuclear weapons are used. He's done a great job getting the whole world to understand this matters to them, even Australia. Yeah, it really has. And in each time he talks to parliament or lawmakers in different countries, he uses their own experience uh, to kind of reflect on the importance of this moment uh, for Ukraine and for the world. So he does it really, really well, uh, in part, you know, his history of of being able to communicate this. But uh, I think one of the things I'm going to ask him uh, tomorrow, and and we are pre-taping it tomorrow in the afternoon uh, for the show at 6, so um, is is the U.S. doing everything that he thought they could do? Does he believe that the U.S. wants Ukraine to win? Um, Or do we, as a country, are we pulling for a negotiated settlement uh, that happens sooner rather than later? I mean, his 
reactions to some of those questions I think will be interesting. Here's what Kate Benefield was asked that by our, our own uh, um, Jessica uh, Heinrich. Uh, here's what she said. Cut, se- cut seven. Any reason why no one from this administration has just plainly said we think Ukraine can win this war? We, I think in our actions and in uh, the support that we've provided, we've been very clear uh, that we're doing everything we can to stand with Ukraine and ensure that they uh, are able to push back uh, against Russian aggression. That's a simple answer, and it's a long explanation, and the president never says that. I mean, obviously, the intelligence was wrong. They weren't going to lose in two days, and they did have much stronger. They were much stronger than anyone thought the Ukrainians, and Russia was really much weaker and desperate, and they they don't communicate well. They don't fight well. They don't have a lot of experience. The morale couldn't seems to be extremely low. They're just destroying cities from afar, so a lot was wrong. What is the downside to saying, I believe Ukraine can win, Brett? I, I don't know, Brian. I mean, I think that um, unless you're very sensitive about somehow provoking Putin, yeah. uh, which seems like that's where the administration has been. I mean, look, when the president said what he said about troops in Ukraine, and then they said, no, no, they're – and then he came back and said, no, they're training troops in Poland. And then they said, no, 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 it's not training. It's – you know, it, it really is something if you think about it. We had special forces in Ukraine, in western Ukraine, just a few weeks ago. And what were they doing? They were not you know, just there for their health. They were helping Ukrainian forces, um, preparing them, showing them weapon systems, training them. And yet when you say those words, uh, there's like this – you can't say that. It's like Voldemort. I mean you can't use the word. And I think that is a really interesting thing, and I think it's telling about not wanting to provoke uh, Putin into some other action. So I'm fascinated from your perspective on Special Report. You did cover the Hunter Biden laptop story. You did know uh, and did cite and debate it, bring it to your panel about the suspending of anybody's Twitter or social media account that retweeted or in the post case, they just froze that account until after the election. Now everyone's taking a look at it from the Washington Post to the New York Times and saying Politico and saying and there's a lot there. Hunter Biden could be in trouble. He could be indicted. Have you ever seen a story like this go into hibernation for 18 months and suddenly uh, all of a sudden have so much traction? Oh, no. I mean, it's truly re- uh, remarkable if you think about where we were in October of 2020 and how toxic it was in, in some media outlets to even mention it. And, you know, remember, this really came to a head ahead of that third debate. And, you know, President Biden then used the letter from the 50 former intelligence officials to parry that question, and it never really was devolved, it never evolved into a follow up um, in, in that debate. Now, one could argue all kinds of things about the election, but that's significant, uh, a significant story that now is getting picked up. And, I think that the reason it's getting picked up is because they probably have inklings of a grand jury and some action. So, and they can't explain to readers and viewers that you don't know about this because we didn't do it and we said it was fake. But actually, now this is an action that's happening. So Laptop from Hell is the name of the book. Miranda Devine's got more details than just about anybody else. So this is what the Washington Post writes. Over the last 14 months, this Chinese energy conglomerate and his executives paid $4.8 million uh, to, uh, to a – 
entity controlled by Hunter Biden and his uncle, Jim, as well as their emails containing a copy of a laptop hard drive that purportedly once belonged to Hunter Biden, goes on. The Post did not find any evidence that Joe Biden personally benefited from or knew details about their transactions from the Chinese energy company. The problem is, upon further review, a call to Tony Bobulinski or looking at C-SPAN or Fox News to see Tony Bobulinski say he was brought in to help with that deal in particular and met twice with Joe Biden. And he's referenced in emails as the big guy uh, in two different emails. How could that not spark anybody's curiosity in an age in which we're always trying to term trying to tie Donald Trump to any type of issue, everyone is scared to death of tying Joe Biden to it. Here's John Harwood on CNN yesterday. Until you make uh, someone makes a nexus between what Hunter Biden has done and official activities of Vice President Biden or President Biden, it's uh, a not pretty picture, but it's not really uh, of uh, much public import in terms of the policy of the United States or the administration of the government. But so far, there is zero evidence that Vice President Biden or President Biden has done anything wrong in connection with what Hunter Biden has done. Do you think that... uh, Really? (laughs) Zero evidence? Really? I mean, can't you just say, we don't know all the answers? We can't get to the bottom. But to say there's zero evidence... That's impossible to say, because what's to say that China isn't holding something over Biden's head? Remember all of the things that we heard about Trump and how uh, Russia had all of this stuff, and they were making the calls on Trump's actions based on the compromat that they had. Why does that not transition to this president if we know that the the actions mm-hmm. in the laptop are accurate? Why is that not raise maybe less, uh, little, more than zero uh, amount of concern? Now, the legalities of it and what is legally, uh, you know, who's legally liable, obviously Hunter is the person, but politically, it's a massive story and a massive story that we don't know the end to. And I, don't, I just think that both the Washington Post story and the way that everybody else is covering it inserts that line, that paragraph, zero right. evidence. Uh, it's going to be interesting if there actually turns out to be more evidence. That's as crazy as Maxine Waters telling the homeless to go home yesterday, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Brett, there's a little bit of tension between us, and I just want to address it. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> it happened on another network. Uh, I did not know about this till moments ago. So this is what took place on Barney and Company today. Have you ever pe- played Augusta? I have played Augusta. Uh, I've been blessed to play Augusta. You're and, the man. Um, you are the man. It's, it's are really the man. amazing. Now you've got to make way for Brian Kilmeade. I kind of push you to the side. And here it's <laughs> Brian Kilmeade. <laughs> you can't do that to Brett Bear, but I did it. Hey, Brian, good morning to you. So listen, I was not behind that. He just wants ratings, Brett. You can't blame him. He can't. Right. You got to go with the big hitters. <laughs> I got to ask you. Standing in the radio. I mean, it's very active. It's very. Uh, Did that sting? Yeah, it stung a little bit. I was getting ready to have tell a really nice story <laughs> about Tiger Woods, and then boom, Brian Kilmeade. Can I make it up to you by letting you tell my audience? 
the story? <laughs> what I was going to say is how exciting is this, that he's played two practice rounds at Augusta. We don't know if he's officially going to play yet, but he doesn't go down there for his health. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people saying if he's playing Augusta, the ratings are going to be through the roof. And, and do you think that he would play if he was just going to be okay? Does he have a feeling he could do well? Yeah, I think that he feels like he could do well or win. I mean, if you saw him play with his son and that father-son, he's not hitting it too bad. Not bad. Uh, Devastating car accident, um, and he's able to bounce all the way back, it seems, at least be able to walk the course, which he didn't think was possible. He said that he can't imagine being able to do it. I mean, if he made the cut, it would be the biggest sports story of of, uh, a long time. I mean, it'd be Ben Hogan coming back from a car accident, winning a tournament. All right, so don't call Brett this weekend. Okay. Uh, don't, do <laughs> not call weekend. next weekend. Uh, next weekend. Actually, for four days. Do not call Brett. Yes. All right. That's right. That goes for you too, Britt Hume. I know you're listening. <laughs> Leave him alone next week. Go get him. Uh, good luck with the interview, and we'll be ro- rolling clips on One Nation, I promise. All right. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, Brett Baer He's going to talk to President Zelensky shortly, uh, and then we're going to be able to see that uh, mostly on Friday night, I imagine. Um, and keep in mind, One Nation, 8 o'clock and 11 o'clock. I don't want you to miss it. It's going to be a great show. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Back to wrap up the hour in just a moment. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. You know, you are into sports. Uh, have you ever considered, I mean, you have the hips, to identify as a woman and try out for the girls' Olympic soccer team? Because you love soccer. Right. I and think you could I, do it. Well, thanks for believing in me. Yes. I mean, number one, and noticing my hips, because it's been a goal of mine. Um, <laughs> so that's, I had forgotten that comment, but that's the comment that keeps coming back to us, right? Every, Every time. Yeah, every Facebook Live, very often people just cannot get enough of you and your hips with Greg. Right. <laughs> this is Eric's favorite you know, song. A fun fact: Shakira wrote that song about you. Uh, can you get a second source? I don't need one. Yeah, I know. I'll I think you directly. do. You're a journalist <laughs> by trade. How dare you? By the way, there's only one line in that song, right? My hips don't Your lie. hips don't lie. There's not a. Is there a second verse to that? There are several verses. It's an excellent song. Right. Um, but I mean, she's seen you dance, and that's why your hips right. don't lie. Uh, <laughs> that's true, and it's a it's a gift, and that's why I don't want to take credit for it. When you're born with naturally gifted, when the music plays, I just know how to move. That's been what people have said to me, not actually to me. But that's why you won't dance on Fox and Friends because they not people are blown away. The ratings will go through the roof, and you can't have that. And I'm not about ratings. I'm about <laughs> humility. All. But a couple of things. Do the most shallow songs ever have to be Justin Timberlake? He never sings about anything worthwhile. The J-Lo? so catchy. Right? I, but, I mean, come on. You're going to spend your whole life being known as catchy? Right? I mean, he, he he's a good musician, Justin Timberlake. He's a good dancer. He's a good actor. I mean, I, I like good the actor. he's been in. I think he was, he was really good in the Facebook movie. He was. He was very good in that. And he was... I forget the name of it, but it was in one with um, Mila Kunis, where it's like Friends with Benefits or something like that. It was a very entertaining movie. Which brings us back to Will Smith. It's, it does. Or right? open marriages. I mean, that never, never works. A relationship like that never works. Well, Julie was going to go test that for you, right? Julie Bandash is going to do a study. Right. She is going to tell her husband, I don't know if in a different hour on Fox and Friends, she, she's going to try an open marriage. Or the Brian Kilmeade show, but yes. Right. 
Uh, but no, a different different hour of this show. I know you said Fox and Friends. Did I really? Yes. Okay. So a different hour of this show. Uh, Julie Banderas was in here and said, for the benefit of our show, she was going to see if an open marriage works. And my feeling is that's not really going to help people unless you get more people to do it. You have to do a study. Like we just got to get registered voters to try open marriages. And she's going to report back next week. Right. Does her husband matter in this? She seems to be um, more concerned about making sure she pleases you. So to speak. So to speak. Yeah. So listen, uh, that's pretty much what we'll get for this hour of uh, of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So I want you to make sure to tune into One Nation. Uh, it's going to be on on 8 o'clock and 11 o'clock on, uh, on Saturday on Fox News. Now keep in mind, too, amongst the guests, I will confirm – we can confirm Tyrus for sure, right? Correct. We can show Senator Sullivan. He's going to talk about oil and gas uh, from Alaska. He says we could be doing so much more. We wouldn't have to take out of our reserves like we're doing now. And uh, he's somebody who's serving the military, so I'm going to get him to weigh in on Ukraine and what we promised. And we're going to have Will Hurd on. Now, Will Hurd is kind of a CIA guy, Republican congressman from Texas. His take on immigration and everything else and coming together in a nation and getting something actually done in Congress. Fascinating in his brand new book and so much more. Keep it here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.